Thank you very much, Pastor. Happy Sabbath, everybody. It's such a joy to be here with you today. And um, my wife and myself uh, just deem it a privilege to join you here for your special celebration as you have your special community guest day. Um, you will understand when I say I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Last evening I sent an email to Pastor Vicente indicating that um, I am having a little challenge and uh, he should prepare just in case I don't make it. Uh, just about once per year there is an allergic reaction that I, I experience and uh, that, that causes my face and eyes to, to get swollen almost shut. And uh, I was experiencing that yesterday. So I sent him that email because I thought I wouldn't be able to, to, to make it here. And um, of course, if my eyes are shut, I wouldn't be able to even see you, let alone read the scriptures. And um, I'm, I'm so happy that you would not be without a word nonetheless. Amen? And God's church would go on, nevertheless. But I'm, I'm grateful uh, for my wife, who was able to, to take the, the wheel this morning and drive so that I could have an ice pack on my, my face all the way. And, um, and so my, my eyes, eyes are down a little and I can see you clearly. Um, I also took some Benadryl and, um, wow... And that's doing a number on me, so I'm a little slower today than I usually am. But I'm truly grateful to be here and, and join Pastor Valdo in expressing and extending a very special welcome to all our friends from the community who have come to join with us today for our worship service. Last Sabbath we had our main camp meeting, of course, in uh, across Ontario we have sometimes up to 11 camp meetings in one year because of how widespread this this massive province is. As a matter of fact, one of our churches, the Sulukout Church from the conference office, is 22 and a half hours away. So when we're taking that trek, we really have to plan that very well so that we can stop at other churches and see some of the other leaders on the way. I'd like to share with you a few things so that you can be up to speed with what's known across our, our conference field by many of our members. Uh, first, next Sabbath you will be receiving your seniors' magazines. Your seniors' magazines, um, uh, the, our office produces special magazines for seniors, and uh, the one that's coming out, you really want to have this one. This is very special. There is a, a, a special article I wrote on depression and through the lens of scriptures, okay? And so we can understand depression from a biblical perspective. We'll also, there is also an article on um, the whole matter of the legalization of marijuana that's coming out in that, in that magazine and the potential impact it will have on, um, on our or operations from day to day. I, there are some quotations from a research conducted by CAA 
And um, believe it or not, this could have some very, very serious implications for us. Uh, you will have that in, um, in a few days. By next Sabbath, you will have it here. Beautiful magazine. I must let you know that every year, every year there's a special retreat for our seniors in Ontario. And this year we are going down to the Creation Museum in Kentucky. Um, we've already had the three buses um, already reserved and um, the number of seniors who have applied to attend that trip is a little more than we could accommodate, so that's a good problem. But they're first uh, in, in terms of options for the next trip, okay? Those who are on the waiting list. But this year we're going to the Creation Museum. We'll be doing a tour there, and um, the following day we will be at the, uh, which is about 45 minutes west of there, uh, a live-side biblical dimension construction of the ark. We are going to be touring that ark and uh, kind of uh, breathing the atmosphere of the book of Genesis while we do so. And um, that, that should be a meaningful experience for our seniors who are making it for that trip. Um, a few weeks ago, we celebrated the first anniversary of our Church for the Blind. And this is the first Church for the Blind um, in, in the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. We're now at, at 71 members in that Church for the Blind. Do remember that very special ministry. I'll let you know also, and you may have heard this, that we have um, joined in a partnership with Adventist World Aviation. And so we have secured a twin-engine Cessna airplane that is currently being upgraded in terms of its avionics to state-of-the-art, and the wingtips extended with extra fuel, fuel tanks, so that we can cover the northwestern territories, particularly in, um, in Ontario here. Most of the, the reserves, or many of the reserves, are in that section of Ontario, with about 33 communities that we now have access to. And the chiefs in our meeting have given us the responsibility for the spiritual care of those 33 communities. And so uh, we just want to thank God for what the door he has opened there. And um, this afternoon I'll tell you a little more in details in terms of the partnership we're going into with ADRA to address some of the needs of the indigenous people there. I will just leave the others for later so that we can discuss that after the concert so that uh, this time we can use it for the sharing of God's word. But there are some very important things that I'd like to share with you later. This morning I invite you to come again to the book of Genesis Genesis chapter 1, and there we'll find some very interesting, a very interesting statement that addresses the matter of the multiplication of seeds and how plants would grow. Now, how does this become relevant in a community guest day? Let's look at this. As soon as you're there, I ask you to say amen. Wonderful. You're there quickly. 
Let's bow our heads as we ask God's leading today. Father in heaven, we pray that your spirit will be with us in a very special way now. Bless your words to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our topic today is the unusual seed. The unusual seed. The unusual seed. Now seed, the reference or references to seed, totals over 250 times in the Bible. So many statements in the scriptures refer to seeds, and many times they're literal seeds. Sometimes it's used figuratively or to represent something else. And so today we want to talk about the unusual seed, because there is a seed by the time we leave here today that we should be investing in. There is a seed that is and should be very important to you and me, that unusual seed. Let's begin with Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Here God is speaking, and God in the whole act of creation, when he is demonstrating his omnipotence, it is so powerful that God spoke things into existence. As only he could. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, which is the herb that yields seeds. Hmm. Then he said, and the fruit trees that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. And it was so. As God called forth the green grass to carpet the earth, he was very clear that the grass should come up not just in its blade, but the grass should come and arise on the basis of his command with the potential of producing seeds so that those seeds could produce more grass and there would be a perpetuity in its multiplication. And so because of the seeds, there will be more grass. And because of more grass, there would be more seeds. Then God said, let the fruit tree bring forth fruit. And the fruits should have within them seeds. These original fruits are organic. Amen. They have seeds. I was at the supermarket once and um, I stood by looking at melons because I, I really love melons. And there was a lady that looked at the melons and the sign marked seedless melons. And she said, God doesn't make seedless melons. <laughs> For she understood the principle of the seed. For the seed within the fruit 
would multiply because those seeds have the potential of becoming plants that would produce more fruits, that would have seeds in them, and the whole matter of the perpetuation of nature would go on because of the resident potential within the seed. Somebody says you could tell how many seeds are in a fruit, but you cannot tell how many fruits are in a seed talking about the potential because one seed can become a tree that bears many fruits which have many more seeds and these seeds have the strong potential of continuing to multiply this is a reference to seeds for seeds must always be seen with its potential to multiply and produce vastly. That was the first reference to seed in the Bible. I did tell you that there are over 250, and just to relax you, don't get worried, I'm not doing all 250 today. But I'd like to make reference to the second statement regarding seed in the Bible. The first one was agricultural. It's talking about the grass yielding seed, the tree bearing fruit with seeds. But interestingly, the very second reference to seed was also made by God. And that seed was not agricultural. This reference has nothing to do with farming. This reference is different. Genesis 3 and verse 15. It is referred to by theologians as the protoangelium or the first good news having to do with salvation. Genesis 3 verse 15. God in speaking to the devil after Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, God addresses the devil who deceived them and said to Satan, I, God, will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is a powerful statement, as all statements from God are powerful. God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That word enmity is not used very often today, but that word enmity is defined as hostility. I will put a power that is able to confront you, a power that is greater than your power, Satan, I will put a power referred to as a seed between you and my people. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So that God says in this context that Satan would have seeds and his people will produce seeds. Satan will produce seeds. He says between your seed, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. 
so that Satan would be a hostile power fighting against God's children as he succeeded against Adam and Eve, God made his intervention and God said to Satan, I will put some power between you and them. Ah, oh, well, what kind of seed is that? It goes on to say, he, that's the enmity, he, the seed I will put, will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here significantly, the seed that God would place between Satan and God's people, the enmity, that power that would fight back and push back Satan, that power is referred to as a masculine figure. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. It's a masculine figure, a male personality, referred to or as he or his. That male personality would come and fight the Satan that is such a problem to God's people. The Message Bible, in its paraphrase, puts it this way. God told the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. I am declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will wound your head, you will wound his heel. This was declared by God just after Adam and Eve sinned. The wonderful book, Education, page 27, written by Ellen G. White, says this. I quote, Man was not abandoned to the results of the evil he had chosen. Amen. In the sentence pronounced upon Satan was given the intimation of redemption or a hint towards redemption. This sentence, she says, spoken in the hearing of our first parents, that's Adam and Eve, was to them a promise. Before they heard of the thorns and thistles, of the toil and sorrow that must be their portion, they listened to words that could not fail of giving them hope. All that had been lost by yielding to Satan could be regained through Christ. Amen? It speaks not only of creation, but also of redemption. End of quote. God spoke to Satan in the hearing of Adam and Eve who had just sinned. And they heard the promise that God would be planting a new seed. A seed that would stand up between Satan and his seed and the woman and her seed. God planted in the minds of Adam and Eve the fact that a savior was coming. Adam and Eve from that very day looked forward to the seed of hope that would come, a seed that would bear fruit before the very eyes of Eve, she thought, and the eyes of Adam, he thought. Genesis 4 verse 1 gives a hint in terms of the anticipation with which 
Adam and Eve looked forward to the fulfillment of that promise of God that a special seed would coming. Because Adam heard and Eve heard when God said to Satan, your seed, you will have seed, but her seed, she would have seed, and enmity would stand between your seed and her seed. Well, Genesis 4.1, Cain was born to Adam and Eve, and they thought that this was possibly the promised seed. And Adam knew his wife, verse 1 says, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Eve thought that this was the child of promise. This was the seed that would be the enmity. Eve was excited and Adam was aesthetic. If he had room, maybe he would have painted the room blue. This is the son that I'm looking forward to. But Adam and Eve were disappointed because Cain came. He didn't bring life, but he ended up taking life, taking the life of his brother. In Genesis 4 verse 25, the Bible says this. It says here, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called him Seth. And this is what she said, For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Ah, so it implies that when Cain came, she said, This is the man from God. But no, it was not. Then she had Abel, but Cain killed Abel. That was not the seed. But now she has another child. His name is Seth. And she says, God has appointed me another seed. Ah, one instead of Abel who is killed. And instead of Cain who slew Abel. She was living with hope. She lived with hope. And she lived with anticipation of realizing the promise that God announced with his divine thundering voice at the gate of Eden. She had hope beyond her grief and pain as she delivered Seth. Eve continued to look forward to the seed who would bring salvation. It was not Cain. It was not Abel. And later she realized it was not Seth. Who in the world is this seed? Who could it be? If you turn with me to Romans 1, verses 1 to 3, Paul, first of all, introduces himself as a beneficiary of that seed who had come and his commitment to the seed that had come. Paul says, in Romans 1, 1 to 3, introduces himself, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Wow. He seemed to have found the seed. He found the seed 
that Eve and Adam looked forward to. He's excited. He says, which he has promised before by his promise, prophets, in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made the seed of David according to the flesh. He says, Jesus, the seed of David, is the one spoken of by the prophets, those prophets of the Old Testament that recorded and announced and reannounced what God declared to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Paul says uh, even more in terms of precisely identifying the seed that was promised. Galatians 3 verse 16, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Amen? Jesus is the promised seed, and I thank God that it is he. Seeds must produce fruit, because seeds must first produce trees or plants that produce seeds. It is the law of nature. But God is showing it is also the law of his plan of salvation. I am so grateful that there was this promise of a special seed and that that seed is Jesus Christ. What a day it was when the Holy Spirit moved someone to plant the seed of salvation in my heart and in your heart. God used somebody to plant the seed and to tell us that there is this special seed who is Jesus. Romans six, twenty-two says, But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, we have your fruit unto holiness, growing and maturing, and the end is eternal life. Amen. The seed of the gospel must do something in our hearts. It must grow up to bear fruit. It must give us a new identity. Amen? An identity for which we are not ashamed. Paul introduced himself. He could have said Paul, PhD. He could have said Paul, a graduate of the University of Damascus. He could have said Paul, with this status and experience. But no, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul, the message Bible puts it this way, a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment, authorized as an apostle to proclaim God's words and acts. This is our role in the world. It is to help people to move from the despair and failure that Adam and Eve had to find hope and joy in the promised seed, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In fact, Jesus, being our seed of salvation, must be understood in order to be appreciated. 
as the seed of our salvation? Wasn't he planted in the earth? Yes, he was planted in Joseph's tomb on that dark Friday. That dark Friday when the clouds hung low and the sun hid its face. That dark Friday that we today call Good Friday. When the unwilling lips of a Roman centurion looked at that seed and said, Truly, this is the Son of God? That dark Friday, when Jesus hung on the cross, as the crown of thorns was pressed in his brow, and his own blood flowed into his eyes and warmed down his cheeks, that Friday, when they plucked his beard and ripped his clothes off, that Friday, when he was beaten, and his back was lacerated, and the scriptures whispered, By his stripes you are healed. That Friday, when Jesus looked through the veil of the blood, and saw the people laughing and mocking, still found something in his heart to pray for those who were laughing at him, and mocking him to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That Friday, when the earth convulsed and shuddered at the suffering of its maker. That Friday, when the earthquake shook the earth to its core because its maker was about to die on the cross. That Friday, when the broken, blood-stained body of Jesus was taken from the cross and planted in the earth covered with a stone weighing 2.5 tons. That Friday the seed of our salvation was planted in the earth. And that big stone was to keep that stone, that seed in the earth and prevent it from being germinated. But John 12 verse 24 says, I quote, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Those were the actual words of Jesus in prediction of his own death. He was hinting his disciples and all his hearers that one day I will die and I, the seed, of righteousness, the unusual seed, would be planted in the earth. Don't despair because I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I think by burying Jesus... They thought they would get rid of Jesus. But when you bury a seed, something special can happen. Jesus, the seed of our salvation, remained in the earth. And then on Sunday morning, there was a germination of that seed. The stone was rolled away and that seed sprung forth as he promised. If you tear down this temple in three days, I'll be up again. And just like he said, that's what he did. 
So Jesus came up as the first fruit of the harvest. Now, how does he move from seed to being fruit? Shouldn't there be a tree before? Well, Jeremiah chimes in, and Jeremiah says he came up as a righteous branch. Amen. And that righteous branch was bearing fruit. And the New Testament refers to him as the first fruit of the harvest. Now, you can tell how many seeds are in a fruit, but you can't tell how many fruits are in a seed. Jesus is our righteous seed. You could never ever tell how many fruits would come as a result of that seed germinating. I can tell you that there are almost 20 million Seventh-day Adventists throughout the whole world. I can tell you that the Seventh-day Adventist church started in the United States. When it started, there was a small group of people. There were about nine of them. And they said, the Lord has raised up the Adventist church, all nine of us, to take the gospel to the whole world. Well, there was a visitor there, and he stood up and said, but you don't even have passports. How are you going to go to the whole world? Well, quite recently, Dr. Patzer wrote in his book about a man, a businessman, who he interviewed. And the businessman said, I've traveled the whole world. I have gone around because my business has interactions with other businesses across the world. And two things I see all over the world are Goodyear Tires and Seventh-day Adventists. What do you say, amen? Jesus is the foundation of our church. He's the head of our church. He's the seed that has produced this harvest. From that seed, who could ever tell that out of those nine, there would be Adventists all over the world? I was born in Jamaica, and the statistics say that one in every eight person in Jamaica is either an Adventist or has a family member who is an Adventist. Everywhere you go, there are Adventists. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and our faith is also vain. Verse 20, he finally and joyfully shouts, But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruit of them that slept. The seed has germinated. Would you say amen? The holy seed of salvation is germinated. The tomb is empty. I have the privilege of, of um, being on a trip with a group to, to Israel, and we, we went by the tomb. It was a solemn thing to be in the line uh, going into that tomb. Uh, I, I, I noticed there were some folk ahead of me that were talking and fellowshipping and so on. But I watched the faces of them as, as these folk, as they exited the tomb. It was such a picture of value and appreciation. I remember myself exiting that tomb. And as I walked away, I looked back and saw above the yawning hole of that tomb the indelible words, He is not here, for He is risen. The seed of salvation is germinated. The tomb is empty. 
Jeremiah says the righteous branch has come out of that seed and he is producing fruits all over the world with many seeds towards a great harvest. Ephesians 4.8, Paul says, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and uh, gave gifts unto men. He opened graves before he ascended to heaven and took some faithful saints to heaven with him. Wow. John in Revelation said, I saw him. He refers to them as the 24 elders which were redeemed from the earth. They are there as a promise from God to you and me that if they made it, we can make it too. Jesus is our holy seed. He is the guarantee of a great harvest at the end of this world. The Bible calls them such a great number that the Bible refers to them as a holy nation. The redeemed saints. John says which no man can number. Amen. I want to be among them. What about you? Why hasn't the harvest come just yet? Why hasn't God come just yet to take us out of this sin-cursed earth? Well, he's waiting on us. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is out of love for you and me why he has delayed his coming. Because he knows that some of us are just not yet ready. He spoke of creation and he spoke of redemption in reference to the seed. I want to encourage somebody today to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming down to earth as the unusual seed, the seed that died for my opportunity to embrace life, the seed that was buried so that I may rise, the seed that germinated so that I may have hope. Is there somebody here today who would like to say, thank you, Lord, you are my seed. Because of you, because of you, I have hope. Because of you, I can have a bright future. Because of you, I will not die and just perish. But if I die, I can rise again. Because of you, my future is bright. There's somebody here. God bless you. Just raise that hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together as we pray. Oh, Father in heaven. We are so grateful today for your love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You gave us what we do not deserve. By taking on what you did not deserve. You were despised and rejected of men. You came down to a dark earth to redeem us. 
You said foxes had holes and birds had their nests, but you had nowhere to lay your head. You were acquainted with grief, despised among men. You were beaten, and you never had to take it. You could have given up on us and gone back to glory. But, O oh, love of God so strong and true, thank you that it flowed towards each one of us. Thank you that you died but never remained in the grave because you are God. You died only to pay for our sins so that we don't have to live in our sins, nor do we have to suffer the consequences of our sin. For your grace is sufficient. Oh, we thank you for love that is so matchless, so incomparable, so immeasurable. And so today, Lord, we pray that you will plant your seed of love in our hearts so that we can love you the way we should. Forgive us for where we have failed you. And today, Lord Jesus, with your seed of hope planted in our hearts and minds, we pray that we will live only in a secure relationship with you. We know you will come soon. Because you did say one of the prophecies and signs of the end is that the earth will wear out like a garment. Oh Lord, there's global warming everywhere. There are earthquakes everywhere. Volcanoes in some tropical paradises. Glaciers are melting. There are fires just through nature. And floodings in other places, men's heart failing them for fear, and people being wicked to each other, killing and just taking lives indiscriminately. All these are signs of your coming. May we, may we hold on to you tenaciously by faith, who alone can save, so that at the end we can be saved eternally in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.